Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time for Focus. This is a closer look at people, places, and things right here in our own community. Today, we talk about a force that's been a force for good for years in our community. And today, our guest is Captain Philip Canning, the National Area Commander of the Salvation Army. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> so let's kind of start from the beginning and let people know who Salvation Army is and who they help. All right. So uh, the Salvation Army uh, is a longtime resident of the uh, Nashville area. We've been here since the uh, late 19, 1800s. And uh, what we do is uh, help provide a quality of life uh, for all the residents and citizens of the, the Nashville, Middle Tennessee area. And so we help uh, individuals um, on every spectrum of the uh, socioeconomic scale, uh, if you will. We uh, help assist individuals uh, who are living in encampments all the way up uh, to, uh, you know, our donors. We provide services to them, uh, spiritual care, and giving them an avenue uh, to give back to the community. That is, that is right. I like how you said giving them an avenue to give back to the community. I think a lot of people want to do something. They feel the urge to do something good. They don't know exactly where they can plug in. So you mentioned that you help uh, people who are in homeless encampments. I, I think this is a new piece of information for me. So what role does Salvation Army play in that? Yeah, so the Salvation Army provides uh, what we call gap housing uh, to individuals that are in encampments. And uh, what that means is that uh, when the city decides that an encampment must close, uh, and they usually do that for safety reasons yeah. and uh, concerns like that, uh, then they're placed into temporary temporary housing, right? It's called gap housing. So they'll, they'll come to the Salvation Army or another organization um, that also does it. And we put them in this housing temporarily, and it's meant to be very short term uh, until we can find them permanent housing. And uh, once they're in permanent housing, then uh, we link them up with what we call wraparound services uh, to make sure that they are able to maintain that housing and gather the resources they need uh, in order to maintain the housing. What is wraparound services? So wraparound services can be anything and everything, right? It's uh, dependent upon what the individual or the family may need. Uh, so we have case managers um, that work with these individuals, and they do assessments with them. And uh, based upon the assessment, um, they, they begin to gain some understanding of what this individual might need. But even, even more important than that, um, we make it self-guided, right? We, we uh, empower the individual um, to take control of their future um, and provide them with hope, right? Uh, individuals in encampments or in extremely low poverty, uh, they often feel like they have a lack of choice, like they don't have options. Yeah. And so our case managers work very closely with them um, and help them realize that there are options, right? That doesn't mean it's necessarily easy, um, but there are options. And the case manager's job is to work with that individual, um, help them formulate those goals, come up with action steps to obtain those goals. And the case manager walks with them through that. And through that experience, the case manager gains an understanding of the resources this individual is going to need. And so the case manager works to connect that individual with the needed resources as well as to help them achieve their, their goal and get them in permanent housing and make sure they can maintain that. I imagine it would be very hard for someone who had just been struggling to live. I'm going to wake up and take a bunch of my stuff with me and go try and find something to eat and then come back and hopefully my house will still be there. I imagine it would be hard to go from that mindset to suddenly now I have a goal of doing this. I would imagine, and I don't know, it would be hard for them to even uh, just, okay, now I'm in gap housing. I don't even know what I want to do. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that is why we have case managers uh, that are there. We use a journal that kind of guides a person through that. Um, so we can talk with them through that. There's actual exercises in there, but it is, and that is, it is extremely difficult. And that's something I think a, lo- a lot of us, um, if you excuse me, using, uh, you know, socioeconomic status, but a lot of us in middle class or wealth class take for granted, yeah. um, you know, is we often think, well, it's easy, right? You set an alarm clock, you get up, you go to work, you know, you come home, but there's a lot of stuff that goes behind that that we just take for granted. Yeah. Um, many of these individuals would be individuals uh, that may be assisted through the angel tree when they were kids, oh. right? Because they grew up in a foster home, they aged out of the system, um, and they never really saw maybe you know um, what it means to get up every morning and go to work. They mm-hmm. don't understand what it means uh, to to interact with people in a in a state of de-escalation instead of escalation. Um, and so they're doing what they know how to do and know how to survive. And so it is a deep challenge. It's a very trying work and, and very intense. Um, but we've got a great staff uh, that does that. And the stories that we hear coming out of that are absolutely amazing. And uh, most of it has to do with the simple fact of hope, right? Most of the people that we encounter have given up yeah. because they don't have hope. They have tried to do what they know how to do right. and it's not successful and they don't know what to do because they've never seen it. They've never experienced it. It's a whole other world. They were not taught. Exactly. Um, you know, and so just having that glimmer of hope is sometimes enough. We've got a great story of a, a woman named Liz, right, who, who was addicted um, to, to substances and all she needed was that hope, right? Uh, Salvation Army worked with her. Um, you could see an immediate change in her just for somebody caring about her. We got her connected with addiction services to help her overcome that. And that was all that she needed. And today she's thriving. Um, and it's, she is one less negative statistic. And right now she's a positive, productive member of society. Yeah. That's just got an amazing story that says this is possible, right? We, we can do this mm-hmm. as a city. We can do this. And Liz is a shining example of that. Oh, wow. I want to talk to Liz. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. She's an amazing woman. Yeah. So how do you feel overall? This is getting personal now. How, do, how does it feel to know, like, I'm going to work and we're going to get to change lives? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great recruitment for the Salvation Army, right? It, there's nothing like it, right? I mean, it's just uh, amazing to know that you're making that impact. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm removed from it, you know, as the, as the, as the area commander, yeah. you know, it, I'm a little bit removed from it, but the people that are doing the work are absolutely amazing, right? You have to have a passion for it because it is extremely difficult. Yeah. It's extremely challenging. Um, but our team is passionate about what they do and they, they exude that passion and just hanging around them. You can feel it. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing like the celebration of, Hey, this person got a home today. Right. Whoa. And it's the, I got a story. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it. Just heard a story uh, of a woman uh, who's getting her, her first home and she's got a 16 year old daughter. Um, and it's going to be the first time that daughter has ever had a room. And so you just think about that for a moment, you know, of how many rooms did I have by the time I was 16, Yeah. you know, and I just took that for granted because it was there. It was you know? yours and you could slam the door. And yeah, put- exactly. I could be mad at mom and dad and slam the door and, yeah. you know, talk all this smack, you know, <laughs> uh, about life. And then there's, we've got kids in our own community that have never even experienced what it's like to have four walls around them. That's, it's a humbling experience and it's very rewarding. Uh, to see change happen. Before we had a a few more plans in place to help people who are experiencing homelessness, did we find that one generation tended to lead to a next generation? Like if that girl is 16 
and doesn't know what it's like to have a home around her, doesn't know what it's like to have the alarm go off, somebody goes off to work, get a paycheck, buy groceries, then how hard is that for her to try and pull up and change everything in her life? Yeah, so an important thing to remember is that we're not, we're people and we're very similar, right? And so what I mean by that is if we look at our own lives, um, we probably do a lot of the same things that our parents did because we watched and we observed and we learned it. So to answer your question, yes, uh, generational homelessness or, you know, issues related to poverty um, is a big, a big challenge in our communities. And you'll see in the state, you know, and across the United States, really, um, there's a big emphasis on what we call two gen work, right, which is working with two generations. So it's not enough to work with mom or dad or mom and dad Mm -hmm. and let the kids do their thing in school. You've got to work with the entire family unit, right? And the same thing with the children, right? It's not enough to work with the children in school and just leave mom and dad to do their own thing. It has to be a combined thing because in or- they all live in the same home and they're right. feeding off of each other, right? And so in order to make that work, right, you've got to work with both of them at the same time and give the entire family hope that, hey, we can do this. Here's the path. Let's go. If you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie, and this is Focus, and we're talking with Captain Philip uh, Canning the Nashville Area Commander of Salvation Army. So you you get in with the kids, for example, and then you're helping the whole family. Or you get in with the parents, and then you get to help the whole family. That's an amazing, it's like a little wedge to get to get in there and get help to them. Yes, yeah, there, there's a whole strategy, right, uh, behind it. And uh, we've got actually three prongs to our strategy uh, that encompass any program that we do. And that is that we engage uh, the individuals, which basically means we meet them where they are and uh, meet their basic human needs, um, no matter their situation. Uh, then uh, we empower them uh, to take control. Um, so they have options. They have choice. It's not us coming to them saying you got to do X, Y, and Z. It's here are some options. What do you want to do? This is directions that we could go. What is your future story that you want to write for you? Whoa. Uh, so, and then we equip them right, to make sure they have the tools and resources to achieve those goals and to maintain what they're doing. Um, that, that's the whole goal, right, is for them to be able to maintain. Yeah. If we do all this stuff and they're not able to maintain it, what's the point, right? That's a, that's a bad investment. Um, and so we've got to make sure that, you know, like our, our tagline says, our, it's really our branding promise to do the most good, right, mm-hmm. and that is to make sure that the services we pro- provide not only are efficient, but more importantly that they're effective, right, in what they do. So engage, empower, and then equip. Equip. Okay, so these are some of the things that we're supporting as a community or as a community member yes. when we support the Salvation Army. Absolutely, and the Salvation Army relies heavily upon uh, public donations. Mm-hmm. Um, I often say that the Salvation Army is simply a conduit of the community's generosity, right? That's all we are. Um, without the community, without their support, the Salvation Army is not a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not here. The community is the army in the Salvation Army, right? They're the ones that actually make it happen. Wow. Oh, the housing. I wanted to talk about the housing for like women and children and families at the Salvation Army. Yeah, so we uh, provide housing uh, for individuals in our facility. Um, So these are individuals that uh, are in homelessness for various reasons. Sometimes they come out of encampments, um, but most of them do not. Um, They often, you know, maybe they've been evicted or you know, they lost their housing for some other reason. They were living with, you know, um, a roommate or something, and that roommate is no longer there, whatever the reason. Uh, they find themselves in a situation where they're facing homelessness. Well, instead of going to a straight-up homeless shelter, 
um, where they just find a place to sleep at night and then get up the next day and try to figure out what to do. They can come to us um, and uh, they are provided a room. If it's a family, they get their own individual room. Uh, that has got a little kitchenette in it and a space for a family that's equipped for a family. Mm-hmm. Um, or we also house single women and also single men um, there at the facility. And everyone that's there works directly with the case manager and uh, they're working on writing a new future story for themselves and following that same strategy of uh, engage, empower, equip. Um, they're, they're doing all that same stuff so that they can write a new future story for themselves, get a permanent housing, get them to get their kids in, in school and, you know, make sure that they're set up to, to, uh, lead a, a, a maintain their lifestyle. I've taken a tour of the facility before. And I remember meeting a lady who was there because she had been a victim of domestic violence. She left and took her kid. And so they had a safe place. They had a place where they could kind of recoup and mom could go to work and the child was, look, do you still have uh, some sort of a child care facility? or We don't provide direct child care, um, mm-hmm. but if that service is needed, we try to get them connected um, with that service. Okay, yes. so that way pe- people who have fallen upon hard times have a way to kind of climb back out and be safe. Yeah, that, that's the role of the caseworker. Um, in our in our process, uh, they are the connector, right? So they're yeah. learning about the needs of the family, the needs of the individual. They're learning about their goals and their dreams, and they're getting them connected to the resources that are going to help them achieve that. This is where we want to talk about specifically how we can help the Salvation Army do all of this. A number of ways, especially as we're uh, gearing up for the Christmas season, oh, right, yeah. as we're heading in there. Uh, Salvation Army's been in it for a few months now, um, but uh, you know it's coming <laughs> to a community very near you. Uh, and you know you're going to see our iconic red kettles uh, out there. And again, the Salvation Army is 100% supported um, by the community, um, whether that be local grants or especially individual donors um, are a majority of our funding. And so uh, when you see a red kettle, right, what you need to know is the money that goes in there is for Nashville, right? Um, and uh, I know this signal kind of goes out to Murfreesboro too. You see uh you see a red kettle in Murfreesboro, that money stays in Murfreesboro for oh, the benefit of Murfreesboro. You're right? helping so, your own community. So you're helping your own community. Uh, that money does not go up to a national you know, area, yep. and then they redistribute it all around the country. Um, that stays here in Nashville mm-hmm. and helps the programs and services that I just mentioned yeah. that we've talked about here earlier. Um, and then, of course, we have Angel Tree, um, which I don't know how many people know this, but uh, Nashville is the second place in the country that ever did the Angel Tree program. Um, it was founded by Lieutenant Colonels uh, Charles and Shirley White. Um, they were in Virginia at the time. And one year after they started that, they got transferred uh, here to Nashville. And uh, they were on some little radio show like the Grand Ole Opry or something <laughs> like that. They did an interview uh, one time. And um, that's how it took off nationwide. Wow. Right. And so Nashville is virtually the home mm-hmm. um, of what we know as modern day Angel Tree, right? And Angel Tree is for children up to age uh, 12 uh, that need assistance at Christmas time to be able to have a Christmas, uh, to be able to open up presents on Christmas Day. Uh, it's and, not just toys. Yeah, not just toys. Um, they have a wish list that they put out there. Um, so the, the child gets to choose, you yeah. know, um, they have like three main wishes that are on there and then some supplemental things. Um, you know, and the, and the donor can give as much, you know, as they want towards that. Um, but it's a, it's a very rewarding experience to see this 
first of all, the generosity of our community is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Right. When you see all these angels that are going to be out there and know that somebody, a complete stranger, right, went to a went to the tree or went virtually and, and got an angel and went and bought an entire Christmas for a perfect stranger yeah. right, that they've never met. Um, it's just an amazing uh, generosity there. Uh, and then also we do Angel Tree for senior citizens, mm-hmm. uh, and that's not probably as well known. Um, but uh, we we serve individuals uh, who may be in a in a living facility that need a little bit of help at Christmas time. Yeah. Um, and so for eight, we have angels for ages sixty five and up. Um, so th- there is a gap there, right, between twelve year olds and, and sixty five yeah. year olds. Yeah. Um, but we help a sixty five and up, and those those uh, you read some of those and they'll they'll break your heart, right? Because yeah. there are things that we as adults you know, often take for granted. I just need a new set of pots and pans. You know, I need a blanket. I need some socks. I know. You know, and it's just like, oh, it tugs, it tugs at your heart. We participate in the angel tree program every year. And, and I met the whites and we worked with them for a a couple of years, I think it was, but the elderly angels, people ring the phones off the hooks when we're saying we have this 70-year-old man who needs a pair of house shoes or this 80-year-old lady who wants, like you said, a blanket and a pan. It's like she wants a pan for Christmas. She just wants that. And people just, they have been very generous. So we're going to try and focus a little more on the elderly angels and get you guys some more stuff to hand out. Yeah, that, that would be great. Because I know uh, towards the end of the, the setup last year, as we were taking account of what angels we received back and which ones we didn't, you know, especially when it came to seniors, we had some gaps, you know, there that was, it became a struggle, you know, to try to make sure the senior, you know, was recognized and remembered yeah. at, at Christmas time. So Ooh. any help there, you know, would would be uh, greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, we still need continued help with the with the children. So it's uh, not like that as well. So it's not like they open a thing. Uh, Eighty year old lady open and go, oh, Polly Pocket. We, yeah. we got them something exactly. We got to get something that's uh, age appropriate, <laughs> right, for all levels, you know, of of what we do, you know. So senior citizens like that stuff that we talked about. For those of you that may be like me and you may be like one of those shoppers that's indecisive or maybe you're lazy and picking stuff out, they love gift cards too. Kroger gift cards. Yes. Um, Dollar Tree gift cards, um, you know, whatever, so that they can get whatever they want um, with that is also a popular option. Gift cards have just just been an amazing blessing when it comes to finding gifts for people and giving people something that they really want. Uh, in the past few years, it's just kind of skyrocketed. And I really enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're effective, right? I think that's yeah. why we like them. You know, yeah. the person's going to get whatever they want, just right? Just what you want, yeah. Just what you want. Um, and so, you know, that's an option that our senior citizens absolutely love. I volunteered at the Angel Tree Warehouse before. And you mentioned the the little kids. So it's kids all the way up to 12. And I remember seeing a row of little tiny coats, little bitty coat, like toddler coats and baby coats. And it just, I could not. I couldn't help but cry. Just these little kids would not have a new coat if it weren't for these people who put that coat on that rack. And those little kids are going to have a coat and not know, not feel like they're different. You know, everybody else has a coat or they're, you know, going out in the cold. I've seen little kids out in the cold weather walking across the parking lot with mom and dad. They're in a T-shirt and it's not a choice. They don't have an option. But Salvation Army helps give them options. And we always want to support that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better. Um, it it does. It, it breaks your heart. Yeah. But as much as it breaks your heart, if you support it, yes, it so much warms your heart, right? Oh, so I know. We remember in our family, right at Christmas time, right Christmas morning, right. Many of us take for granted. We get up, we open up our gifts, we're spending time with family, yeah. laughing, having a good time. We always take a moment just to kind of pause for a minute, a minute, and say, right now, 
all across Nashville, there are families that are experiencing a Christmas that two months ago they thought was never going to happen because they didn't have the resources, right? And so we try to remind our donors, like the ones we're able to interact directly with, is we try to point that out to them on Christmas morning. Remember, remember this, right? Little nine-year-old Aaliyah, right? Or whoever you adopted right now is opening up that coat. You know, she's opening up that, you know, that, you know, whatever, you know, you got her the the latest, you know, Barbie doll or whatever's hot this season, yeah. you know, she's opening that and you've just made her Christmas. Right. And uh, we're going to remind listeners of that yeah. more because yeah. that is something to keep in mind. It's like Merry Christmas. Now, remember, yes, that person you donated to through Salvation Army is having a Christmas they would not have had. Yeah. OK, can I tell you one more story? And make you cry. Absolutely. Again? Yep. Um, so if you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie and this is Focus. And today we're talking with. Captain Philip Canning, the Nashville area commander of the Salvation Army. So I was volunteering to help take the bags of goods out to people's cars. Do they still have that taken out to their cars for them when they stop to pick up the things that have been donated for the kids and the family? Yeah, it's a pretty uh, efficient and effective method. Yeah, they, they drive through and volunteer, yep, meets them with the big old bag. With the bag. Yep. So I remember taking a bag to a, a guy and he started looking in it. Let me see if I can tell this. He started looking in that bag. He went, oh, my God, shoes. He said, we just moved here and our house burned down and my little boys needed shoes. He started crying over three little pairs of shoes that somebody had bought for him. Changed me forever, forever. And it will you when you actually get up and do something like that. And then if you can, maybe volunteer. Yeah, absolutely. We depend upon volunteers. Um, heavily, especially at the Angel Tree Warehouse. Um, you can visit our website at SalvationArmyNashville.org. Okay. Or for those of you in Murfreesboro, you can go to SalvationArmyMurfreesboro.org. Uh, and there are volunteer opportunities uh, on there. And you can volunteer, volunteer to do all kinds of things. It doesn't have to be Angel Tree. You know, you can volunteer to ring the bell. You know, maybe you've only got an hour, you know, or whatever, and a lunchtime or, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, you can get out there and do that. Um, for those of you that may own your own businesses or be managers at a at another organization or something, um, we have this thing called the Red Kettle Challenge, mm-hmm. um, which is where we ask uh, businesses um, or organizations to sponsor, if you will, a day at the kettle and raise $1,000 um, as, as a challenge. Uh, and that benefits us in multiple ways. First of all, yes, it brings in $1,000 or more. But it also saves us on employment cost um, because if right. we don't have the volunteers, we have to pay somebody to stand out there. And so we want to maximize right the resources that we have to serve the community and to give back to those individuals that need it rather than paying somebody to stay at the kettle. So, you know, whatever you can do to help and, and volunteer either through the red red kettle challenge or just regular ringing the red bell at an actual stand or Angel Tree, uh, working in the warehouse, uh, mm-hmm. that would be a phenomenal way to assist and make a difference in this community. And you're going to experience some amazing things when you get out into the world where you're like, I'm doing this to to put out and to give and to show love. You get so much more back. I was working a red kettle. I was ringing the bell at a red kettle and a lady stopped by and I said, good morning. And she just stopped and she looked me in the eye and she just looked so serious and a little sad. I said, do you need a hug? And she said, yes. And I hugged her and she started crying. And this is because I was trying to help the Salvation Army, help kids, help families. But it also, when you put yourself out there to be able to be used and good, it happens. And that lady would would not have gotten my wonderful hug if That's I right. hadn't been doing yeah. that. 
and the Nashville firefighters. I don't know if they're coming on board yet, but what about how how did COVID affect people, all of us getting out there and doing bell ringing and working at the Angel Tree Warehouse and, and helping and volunteering and giving? How did that affect it? Yeah, so, um, well, obviously when it comes to volunteerism, right, that had a drastically negative effect uh, on that and set us back a number of years, right? We've, ne- we've not gotten back to the volunteer level, yeah. you know, at which we were prior to COVID. It okay. is coming back, but not as fast as we, as we would like, right, uh, yeah. to see it. So uh, that's had a negative impact. Okay. Um, when it comes to uh, financial giving, COVID was a surprise, right? At the beginning of COVID, you know, all the nonprofits uh, in, you know, the, the uh, service sector were thinking, oh, no, we're going to be decimated, right? Because uh, people are going to lose jobs. They're not going to be able to work. Yeah. So disposable income is going to go down. They're not going to have the money to give. Right. Um, but then the, the federal assistance, you know, started kicking in and there was ex- excess cash, you know, kind of floating around and people were looking for things to do. They heard the need. And we actually had, you know, record levels of revenue during COVID. Um, oh, my un- goodness. Unfortunately, what, really? yeah, yeah. During COVID, unfortunately, COVID is over. Oh, oh. Right. Um, and didn't mean we've it that got, way. Yeah. And so we've also got, you know, cost of living increases, you know, that people are experiencing with that. So people's for real now, people's disposable income is shrinking, yeah. which means our donations are shrinking. Um, and we're going back right now. We're seeing revenue levels uh, back to the the 2018 levels. Um, but the they, need has not. Were. But dem- the need is actually increasing, yeah. right? Um, again, because all that federal money was flowing, we were able, not just us, but we as a community and as individuals were able to make it, you know, meet our own needs or meet the needs of the community at large because all this federal money was available. Mm-hmm. Now, all that federal money is gone, right? And it's no longer being passed through. So now what? Now it's just us again, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and so we, we greatly need the community support in that. Our revenues are, are down about 15%, um, which means our services are declining at least that much as well. Because, yeah. you know, just like any other business, you can't spend more than you bring in. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we really need the, the community support this Christmas uh, to make Christmas happen and to keep the Salvation Army uh, doing the most good in the community. Okay, financial support, physical support, volunteerism, and you can get more information in the Nashville area at SalvationArmyNashville.org, or you said SalvationArmyMurfreesboro.org, depending on where you are. But make sure you hop on there, find out how to take part in the Angel Tree. We'll be doing that again this year as well, Red Kettles, uh, how you can either ring the bell at the Red Kettle, I promise you, you're going to be blessed by that, or just to donate some money online. Anything else that you feel is important to add that I've neglected to ask? The last thing I want to do is just say thank you, right, to everybody. Yeah. You know, thank you to you, Anna Marie, for making this uh, interview possible. But thank you to the community at yeah. large, you know, just for your continued support. Because, again, the only reason the Salvation Army does what it does is because of what the community does. You know, so we work hard every day to earn the community's trust, yeah. right? And that's our branding promise, do the most good. We work towards that every single day so that the public will know that whatever you give us, whether it's an angel tree gift, whether it's a, you know, money in the kettle or whatever it is, that that will go toward, towards its intended purpose and will go towards changing a life in our community. And when we work together in that way, in that trusting relationship, we can make change happen and Nashville can be a totally different place. Captain Philip Canning, the Nashville Area Commander of the Salvation Army. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Please make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.